We are uh, studying through the book of Mark, and I want you to open up there again. And um, as we study through the book of Mark, remember, we are learning who Jesus is. The purpose of, of preaching through the Word and listening to Sunday after Sunday is for you to grow closer to Jesus. That's the purpose. And the only way that you can do that is by knowing somebody better. If you know somebody better, you grow, grow person. If you are here today and you're married and just think about when you met your husband, the more together the more you know that person the more closer you go to that person if you have um, friends or family and that's how it happens and this is when we open up the word of God and we study about Jesus who is Jesus why did he come those are the two questions Mark answers remember that he shows us that Jesus is the servant king came to serve us and to, to come to us and to, to die for us if you look took on the form of a bond servant, yet didn't find it not to be equal with God. He took on that servantship to come and serve us. And this is why we study the Word of God, to know Him better. Do you know Him? He knows you certainly. He knows you. But do you know Him? That's the question. If people ask you about Him, can you talk about Him passionately and tell people who He is? He's got power over everything. He is our despot. Do you know what a despot is? The absolute power over our lives. This is what Mark tells us. And we've studied now for 11 weeks, and we're only in chapter 2. How wonderful is it? And let me say, it is so much more deeper. If you go to the other Gospels, you will find other attributes of Jesus Christ, which we need to know and learn and understand. You know, He knows us so good that He will put us and allow that we go through struggles and difficult things. Not for Him to see how we're going to react, but for us to see how we're going to react. So that we can know ourselves better. Now the question is, do you know Him? And do you know yourself? Do you know what you are capable of? And then the third question is, do you know the world we are living in? Do you know this world? It is a fallen world which needs a Savior. Yes? So we continue this morning as we read in Mark chapter 2, and we've come to verse 23. The word of the Lord says, And it happened that he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath day. And as they walked, his disciples to pluck, began to pluck the heads of the grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Behold, why do they do what is not lawful on a Sabbath day? And he said to them, have you never read that what David did when he had need and was hungry? He and those with him, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abihathar, the high priest, and he ate the showbread. That was not allowed. You were not allowed to eat the showbread. Only the priest, but David did. Which is not lawful to eat, except for the priest, and also gave to those with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath came into being for man's sake, and not man for Sabbath's sake. Therefore the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. The Lord bless His public reading of His Word. Let's thank Him. Heavenly Father, we thank You this morning for Your Word. And Father, I thank You that Your Word will not go out and return back void, but it will accomplish every single thing that it's purpose for this morning in this place. Bless the hearers this morning, Father. 
prepare their hearts to learn more about Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to talk to you today about the Sabbath. And what a contentious topic in the Christian world. The Sabbath. Everybody's got an idea about the Sabbath. So many different religions have started because of the Sabbath. And there are some people who have got their own doctrine and everything around the Sabbath. Don't you find it wonderful if we teach through the Bible verse by verse that we have to deal with these topics? And today we're going to talk about this. The Sabbath that he's talking about. Now we saw from Jesus over the last few weeks that he gave us freedoms for our soul. A freedom for your soul. What do I mean by that? We saw that he was free to eat with sinners for their good. You remember when he called Levi, Matthew, and he went into his house and sat with tax collectors, the most hated people in, in their society. He sat with them. You remember that? Why did he do that? So often we look at people and we go, oh, I don't like those people and I want to mingle with them, do we? Come on, we do. You're sitting in church and I know you're going to say, no, not me. But we do. You look at people and you go, I don't want to mix with those people. I'm not going to invite those people to my house. And sometimes there is classes in society and people look down upon others. Yet Jesus went with Matthew, with Levi, to his house. And the friends of Levi was what? Other tax collectors, hated people. And what did he do? He invited them to his house. And people, unwanted in society, and Jesus sat with them. He had the freedom in his soul to sat with them, but it was for the good that he sat with them. How? How so? Because he was going to show them, taking one of their very own, Levi, and he gave him a different life. He saw the potential in Levi, and he sat with them. Not only that, we also saw last week that his followers were free to disregard fasts. You remember last week when they came around and said, why do John's disciples fast and why do the, the, the Pharisees' disciples fast, but your, your disciples, they don't fast? And I showed you it was actually John's disciples who asked the question. It wasn't the Pharisees. And already the lesson that we learned from that is that they became so religious with rituals. And, and the warning for you and for me is not to take Jesus Christ and make Him a ritual in your life. No, no. He calls us for a living relationship with Him, not for a ritual. There's a difference there. If you're in a living relationship with somebody, there's love there. There is liberty there. But if you're in a ritual, it is stoic, it is hard, it is harsh. So this is not what we ought to do. But these men, and so today a lot of people, makes the gospel a ritual. And around a ritual, there's built all these laws to keep you to the ritual. That is what's happened. So he showed his followers that they were free to disregard fasts. Now, as I've explained last week, he didn't say fast is not important. But what he told them, he said, how can they fast when the bridegroom was still with them? You don't go to a wedding and fast, do you? 
I, I mean, if somebody marries or getting married in this church and I invite the whole church and say, we're going to have a feast, there's going to be nice food, great feast, feast, whatever, you know, and, and what I like the most, you know, what, is, what, what do I like most? That black forest cake. And if we have all of these things here and people love that stuff, and now I'm going to say, we call the whole church for a fast for that week, including the wedding. Is that making sense? No. It is joyful, and we saw that ministry should be joyful while the bridegroom is with us. And he said in that same passage, the time will come when the bridegroom is not with them and there's enough time for fasting. In other words, do not make what God has given you a ritual. Why? Because built around the ritual is laws, and we're going to see that again today. Now they charge his disciples with breaking the law. This is what they charge. They come around and they say, why do they do that? They walk through the grain land, they grab some of those things and they started doing this. And they say, oh, that is work. They're actually putting physical effort in there to, to do this. And why do they do that on the Sabbath? But this was not the only time he did something on the Sabbath, do you remember? What about the crippled man that he healed on the Sabbath? So the question is, is he disregarding the Sabbath? Is he coming and saying the Sabbath is not important? This is what they are trying to say. And you know what? I'm preaching this today, and I'm just going to follow Scripture verses, and people will even say about this message that we disregard the Sabbath. And it's not true. So let's look at Jesus, what he says in Matthew chapter 5, about the law. Because the Sabbath was written in the law. He says you will keep the Sabbath. And he writes this. He says in Matthew chapter 5 verse 17, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. So Jesus said, he said, look, if you look in your Bible, the Old Testament, it makes up a big part of your Bible. Jesus didn't come in that day and he said, you see this part of the Bible? Remember, they didn't have the New Testament. It wasn't written then. They didn't have a book like you and me with the New Testament in there. Okay? So they only had that part, the Old Testament. Now Jesus didn't come up to them and say, look, take this part and rip it up. He didn't do that. He says, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets and say that you shouldn't listen to them. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill the law. Therein lies the answer. When you come to all of these questions about fasting, about Sabbaths, about any other thing, therein lies the answer. He came to fulfill the law. And he was the only one who could fulfill the law. Nobody else could. Only he could. So he writes it to them. In verse 18 he says, For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one yacht or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till it is all fulfilled. What does he say? Are we still here in the earth? Is the heaven still there? So that still means that the law still applies. That's what he says. That's what, let me read it to you again. He says, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one yacht or one tittle will by no means pass from the law until it's fulfilled. There are those who say, look, we're not under the law anymore. We can do whatever we want. Woohoo! Go for it. Just do it. No, 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 no. When he talks about a yittle and a tittle, it means those, those really, it's like 
dotting the I's and crossing the T's. Did you know that even the spaces that's left between the words in the Bible mean something? I don't know what it is. And one day we will know once we meet him. And here he comes and he says, no, no, that's not. It will stand until heaven and earth. Because if this heaven and this earth is being passed away, there's no need anymore for the, for the prophets and for the law. Why? Because we will be with him. We'll be with him. So why then, be a preacher, do you have a Bible? I just told you earlier today, the reason for this book is to bring us closer to Jesus Christ and to change us into the image of his son. We learn from, this is how God speaks to us today. This is how He speaks to us. Listen, this is how He speaks to us. The Bible says that this is His breath. He breathed, He breathed the Word. And I'm only putting voice to dead letters. But it's alive. Do you get what I'm saying? The Bible says about itself, it is powerful and it's living and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It cuts between bone and marrow, spirit and soul. And it is, this is, this is the discerner of the hearts. You hear a sermon and you are cut by your heart. You know you are wrong when you hear the words of the Word of God. Amen? So this is what he says right there. He says, Till heaven and earth pass away, not yet till all will pass from the law until it's fulfilled. Verse 19, Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men, so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But, sharp contrast, whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Selah. Think about it. If you change the word of God, you're in trouble. If you add to it, you're in trouble. If you take out of it, you're in trouble. But if you teach the word of God, you'll be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And if you teach this, listen, for those people out there who uses Jesus Christ as a product and preach false teaching, they know, they know they are doing it. Some are doing it willfully and some are doing it with ignorance. But let them know today that if you are teaching this, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. It's a warning. The law still abides. But he came to fulfill it, he says. Now listen to this now. He says, but whoever does, what does it mean to do that? It means you fulfill the law yourself, you apply the law. Who does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you, this is Jesus, he says, I say to you that unless your righteousness, everybody say righteousness. What does it mean? It means to live a life acceptable to. To live a life acceptable to, question mark. To live a life acceptable to question mark. Who is the question mark? Yes, that's how we ought to live. But when we were born in our sinful nature, we lived a life acceptable to self. Self-righteousness. That's called self-righteousness. He says here, there's another righteousness now. He says, unless your righteousness, your righteousness exceed, not only match, but exceed the righteousness to live a life acceptable of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Is he endorsing these scribes and the Pharisees here? No, no. He says there's a standard set. 
And the standard right now is the scribes and the Pharisees. Now he says, now listen very carefully. You have to live up to what they live up to. And you can go now to the Orthodox Jews and go and see how they live their lives. You wouldn't like to live that life. Back in the day for these men, they fasted twice a week. They tithed even on the herbs that they got. And herbs is the smallest on the plant kingdom, if you want to call it that. If they get, if they get small mustard seeds, they will count meticulously out. A tenth of the mustard seed will go to the priest. And, and that's how they lived. Every single facet of their lives. When the Sabbath arrives, they can't do anything. I mean, you can sit and you can only walk two meters at a time and then you sit and relax again. And then you stand up and you walk two meters at a time and you sit again. Otherwise, you're working. I mean, even if you sit on a chair and you sit on the chair and you start, you who like to do that? You push a little bit back and the chair goes onto the, to the hind legs. Who, who, who likes to do that? I, I used to do that. My dad always said, you're going to fall over and bump your head. You know what I'm talking about? You push back. Now, if you sit back in the day and you push back on a chair and the two back legs push holes into the ground, oh, oh, you're breaking the law. You are plowing. That's how ridiculous it became. But these people keep it meticulously. They do it. They don't miss a heartbeat. And this is what he's saying. These men are so committed to their righteousness. He says, if you want to do all of these things, by all means, be my guest, but then you need to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. He does not say the scribes and the Pharisees because of that righteousness will go into the kingdom of heaven. I just want to make that point. He does not say that. For the law of God do not bring you into the kingdom. The law of God is a tutor to show you how you fall short of the glory of God. That's what it is. The law of God is not there for salvation. There's only one who's there for salvation, and it's Jesus Christ. The law of God brings you to Christ. The law of God is the shadow of Christ. You need to understand that, to understand the Scriptures. Oh, these Pharisees and the scribes, they were so devout, so devout. They wouldn't mix with the wrong people. If there's a wrong man standing in the street there, even if they come past and, they, and you are a, a, a Gentile, not a Jew, and you walk past and you accidentally bump into them, they'll go home, take off their clothes, wash themselves, put on new clothes and walk again because they will not be defiled. Do you want to live a life like that? Be my guest. See how long you can last. In this world, how long you can last. So he puts it out there. So how can we then? If I, I just painted this now for you and say, you sit back there and you go, whoa, preacher, I surely can't do it. You just shake your head when I said, do you want to do that? And I said, be my, you said, no, no, I can't do that. But how can we do this then? How can we then live a righteous life that exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees? How then? Let's, let's look at this. Paul writes to us about this. In Philippians chapter 3 verse 5. Listen to Paul. He gives us an answer. And I'm just parachuting here. You can go home and read from verse 1. He says, I was circumcised the eighth day. <coughs> I was of the stock of Israel. In other words, he's an Israelite. He's a Jew. Of the tribe of Benjamin. A Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law, a Pharisee. Here is Paul now 
get this, he studied on the one of the biggest men, Pharisees, his name is Gamaliel. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He learned to become a Pharisee. He was Saul of Tarsus. And he says, I was a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Concerning righteousness, there's our word. There's our word. Concerning righteousness, which is in the law. As a Pharisee, he practiced righteousness, which is in the law. So let me put it to you again. Righteousness is living a life acceptable to the law. Now you can live that life if you want to, but you just shook your head and you said, I don't want to. Because it's tough. This man did it. He says it right there. He says righteousness, which is according to the law, blameless. So he did that. Excellent. But, what word is that? Sharp contrast, our theological word. What things were gained to me, these I've counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. What's he saying? He says, this righteousness that I lived as a Pharisee, I counted lost. It means nothing. So how can I then come to that righteousness? He gives the answer. What is the answer? Christ. He says, Christ is the answer. And you can look at all of the different religions in the world right now. All of these, you know, Roman Catholicism, everybody. They are all doing the law. They want to live a life righteous to the law. They all reject Jesus Christ replacing or fulfilling the law. They all reject Him. And may I say some Christians in churches still do. Because there's so many rules and regulations in churches. So many. But people love to live by that. Look at this now. He says it. Did you find this interesting? It's the word of God, brother and sister. He says it right there. My Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do not count them as rubbish that I may gain. You see, this is a beautiful word there, rubbish, isn't it? It's a beautiful word. What is rubbish? Rubbish is the stuff you take out and you put it out and, and tomorrow they come and they collect the rubbish, isn't it? That's not the word. That's a soft word. The word that is dung. You know what dung is? Do I have to <laughs> explain it to you? I think everybody knows what it is. It's not only rubbish that you take out, out of the rubbish bin. It is worse than that. Because you know, I know the rubbish bin can stink sometimes. But dung stinks even more. He says, these all things I've counted as dung that I may gain Christ that I may gain Christ, and be found in Him, and be found, oh, I love that word, I can preach a whole sermon on that, ah, you found in Him, and found in Him, not having my, look at this now, my own righteousness, remember when I said earlier on, living a life acceptable to question mark, but that question mark is self, self-righteousness, he says, I don't, don't want to be caught with self-righteousness. Why? You look at Isaiah 64 verse 6. He says, but we are all like unclean thing. And all our righteousness, living a life acceptable to all of that, all my righteousness is like filthy rags. Now, brother and sister, I'm not going to explain that to you because it's even worse. You can go and do homework on that. Get a good concordance and see what he means by filthy rags. It's not filthy clothing. I won't go there today. But he says, my righteousness is like that, which is absolutely 
appalling. And now he goes on, we all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Let me take you back to what Paul says. He says, not having my own righteousness. That's the problem with so many people today. I'm living a life acceptable to myself. You look in the world right now, you look at the young people now, what are they doing? They live their own lives. They live their own lives. Don't talk to me about that. I'm, I'm six feet tall and I'm bulletproof. And the blood is pumping through my veins and I need to do something. Now, we can say it about the world because we expect it from the world, but we do not expect that in church, do we? And this is the thing. This is the thing. This is what rituals do. This is what self-righteousness do. If we start a ritual church here, oh man, I mean, I can come in here and say, oh, this week I was more devout than everybody in this place. Why? Because I spent nearly a hundred hours on my knees. Is that how God has made us? No. There's liberty where the Holy Spirit is. Look at this now. He says, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law. Where is this own righteousness coming from? Come on, you see it right in front, in front of you. From the law. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. So I ask you again, when we go back to the previous verse, how can we fulfill verse 20? For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom. How? The answer is right here. Not having my own way which is from the law, but that is through faith in Jesus Christ. That is how you fulfill that righteousness. Yes? Look at this. Let's take that verse. Let me unpack it a little bit more. And then we'll come back to the Sabbath. You see, I'm just laying down a foundation for you. It's about righteousness. Righteousness. What is determining your righteousness today? Is it the law or is it Christ? Is it the law or is it Christ? Remember, the law is a tutor. The law shows you how you are falling short. Christ is the fulfillment Christ came and He gave you the new blood which washes away your sin. This is what it is. Look at this. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Who is the truth? Who is absolute truth? Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and the Word. That's the truth. Now look at this. He says in verse 9, I want you to pay attention closely. If we confess our sins, this is why I believe if you come to the cross, you confess your sin to God. There is no forgiveness of sin if there's no repentance. Shall I say that again? There's no forgiveness of sin if there's no repentance. Here is the verse. If we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. You see that? And a lot of people put a, quick, a full stop right there. They don't keep on quoting the scripture verse. I find it amazing. I always find it amazing. I listen to them quoting the verse and they say, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And they stop it right there. And it's true, He does. 
How wonderful and marvelous is this God that He will forgive you your sin that you've done from your birth right up to that point. Gone. Forgiven. And not only that, the sins that will come in the, in, in the future. Get that one. He's wonderful, isn't He? But let's finish the verse. He says, He will forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from what? From all unrighteousness. That life which we live, which is susceptible to ourselves. It's selfies. It's all about me, myself, and I. And everybody in a relationship with you are feeling the effects because you live like that. I'll say it again. I'm not afraid to say it because that's the Word of God. If you live in an unrighteous life, everybody who's in a relationship with you, everybody feels the consequence of that. And it's not a good consequence. Because if you put yourself up on the pedestal and everybody's got to look up to you, that is where the problems start. Jesus Christ came and He humbled Himself. And, and John says, He must increase and we must decrease. Now look at this now. He says He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So He forgives our sins instantaneously. Do you believe in that? That's what the Word of God says. Your sins are you forgiven. But what happened now? What about the old habits that we have? That unrighteous habits that we have to please myself. Do they disappear just like that? I've got too much experience to tell you it doesn't. I know too many people that I've seen. And I've heard so many people come for counseling to me and they say, Preacher, Pastor, you know what, I try so hard to get over this thing. It's a habit that I do every time. The Lord has already forgiven their sins for them, but they keep on doing this habit. And I say, brother, sister, what you need is you need to go on your knees and ask the Lord to give you the Holy Spirit, which is the paracletos, the helper, to help you with this. Every time it comes there, the urge comes over you. Call upon the Holy Spirit. Call upon God. Because it's a cleansing process. He's cleaning you from that. Yes, your sins are you forgiven, you are saved. But He's cleaning your life up. I've seen it so many times. I saw a young man coming into the church in New Zealand once. Man, if you look at this young man when he walked in, you would have said, Man, he's got a tough life. His body outward, appearance, everything showed what's happening on the inside. He was sitting under the Word, we preached the Word, and he was there, I think, for eight months. And, and gradually, gradually you could see him clearing up on the outside. What did it show? He was starting to clear up on the inside. And then he testified about it. One day he walked up, he says, when I came into this church, this is where I was and who I am. And, and the Lord is clearing me and He's cleaning me up. How wonderful. I bet hurry on. Look at this now, Romans chapter 10. We can spend hours in the Word of God. And it's only Scripture that you're getting, yes? Romans chapter 10 verse 3 shows us these two righteousness. He says, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness. So this tells you that God has got a life which is acceptable to Him. And that's what God wants us to live. God wants us to live a life acceptable to Him. That's what He wants. And seeking to establish their own righteousness. There's the self-righteousness. There's two kinds of righteousness. Have not submitted to the righteousness of God. How do you submit to the righteousness of God? Through Jesus Christ. There's only one way. 
Not all roads lead to Rome. There's only one way. Through Jesus Christ you submit to the righteousness of God, to live a life acceptable to God. For Christ is the end, listen now, look at this now, is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For righteousness or everyone who believes. Are you still following me? This is where we need to understand. Jesus said to them, if you cannot exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So you ask the question, how then? How then can we do that? I just showed it to you. There's only one way that you can exceed the scribes and the Pharisees, and that is through Jesus Christ. Come to the cross. Make no delay. Bow at the cross. Confess your sin to Him. He will forgive you your sins. And then, I've showed you that in 1 John chapter 1, 8 verse 9. And then, what will do? He will cleanse you from your unrighteousness. Not a set of rules and laws. Because you can't keep them. You cannot keep the laws and the rules. You will break one of them. And He said, if you break the smallest of them, what happens? You've break them all. He said, you shall not, the, 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 the law says you shall not commit adultery. He says, now, I, I'm telling you, if you even look at a woman and you think about it, you've already done it. Now, we're all set up to fail under the law, but we're all set up to live eternally under Christ. You see this? Now, that's a long entry into coming back to our uh, subject then. Oh, and, and now it talks in Mark chapter 2, verse 23. And it happened that they went through the grain fields. You need to keep all of this now in the background, in your mind, what I told you about the righteousness and how the law works and how Christ can fulfill the law to understand this passage now. They're walking through on the Sabbath day. And as they walked, the disciples began to pluck the heads of the grain. And one would say, wait a minute, aren't they stealing? It's not theirs. But it was lawful. It was allowed to them. Deuteronomy 23 verse 24. When you come into your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat uh, your, your fill with grapes. Your fill. You can eat as many grapes to your pleasure, but you shall not put any in your container. I think that is fair. No takeaways. <laughs> we have those places around you, don't we? I mean, Glenn and myself went to a place the other day. We ate at an Indian place. Eat as much as you can. But you're not allowed to take takeaways, okay? So here he goes. If you go into your vineyard, your neighbor's vineyard, you go, oh, look at these nice grapes. And you start eating. You, Man, you can eat. You can eat until your belly is that big. But you're not allowed to put in your pockets or in the container. And in the same, he said in verse 25, when you come into your neighbor's standing grain, that means it's to full growth, you may pluck the heads with your hand, but you shall not use a shickle on your neighbor's standing grain. Why is that? You see the buns there, they make them up there, you see them there, ah, shickle the whole lot and take it home and bake your bread. No, no, you can pick from the top. I see they do it in Woolworths now and in Coles. Have you ever went up to the grapes? And you, want, you see these nice grapes and everybody go and taste one. <laughs> the front ones is already half eaten. You go, I don't want that. I saw a lady one day, I mean, I was walking behind and she, she took one of those grapes in, in a trolley and she just, man, she just hammered them in as she walked through the thing. And when she, I wondered if she comes to the till, how's she going to pay for this? She finished the whole packet by the time she got to the till. Um, how do you weigh that now? 
Oh, sorry. <laughs> not allowed, not allowed, but you're allowed if you walk through to put your hand on there and you can take the top. And, and one needs to think, this is the diet that these men were on. They were working so hard with Christ. Didn't stop to have a proper meal and now they come and they're hungry. I would allow them. I would say, take, take, you know, eat. But not these Pharisees. Look at them. And the Pharisees said to him, Behold! What's going on here? Hey! Is it because they ate it? No, no. They had a technical thing. Remember, they had their life which they lived acceptable to themselves. And one of those rules is, Thou shalt not work on the Sabbath. And this is what they pick him on. Behold, why do they do that which is not lawful on the Sabbath day? And now they can actually start quoting the prophets. One prophet, I think, I think, that they had in the back of their mind was Isaiah. Because Isaiah wrote about this. Look at this. And let me say, I've dealt over the years with so many people who took me on because we preach on a Sunday and not on a Saturday. The Saturday is the Sabbath. Let's just put it out there. Saturday is the Sabbath. And we preach on a Sunday. I've had people saying to me personally that you were not going to go to heaven and you're going to burn in the deepest part of hell because you preach to a church on a Sunday. I said, that's fine. You know, let's wait and see. But here's the thing. This, this here is one of the scripture verses which is so misused, misused to, to satisfy people about keeping the Sabbath. Listen to what he say. If you turn away your fruit from the Sabbath, this is Isaiah, from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable and shall honor him not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord and I shall cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with an heritage of Jacob your father. The, excuse me, the mouth of the Lord has spoken." Now, if you look at Isaiah and you look at the Pharisees, you would say, hey, these guys have got a point, don't they? They're just following what Isaiah is saying. But let's remember they tried to catch out Jesus for a, for a starter, okay? But secondly, they used it out of context, if they thought about this. Because when God spoke, and, and look, I just parachute in here to that passage again. You need to go and read chapter 58 and taste my spirit. Because if you read the whole chapter, you will see he was dealing with disobedient nation. And what did the disobedient nation do? They started to doing fast, because the first verses in that chapter talks about fasting. But to them it was only a ritual. Like I've explained already in the sermon. It didn't mean anything but a ritual. It's a law. You fast because it's a law. But their lives, their righteousness that they lived was their own righteousness. They didn't commit themselves under God's righteousness. They lived by the law and they broke the law in their hearts. And then he came to this passage about the Sabbath and he said, in fact, he said to them, you are my people, you are the people, but the Sabbath for you have only become a ritual. It only became a religious institution for you. This is what he's addressing them. 
He said to them then, if you, if you keep away then and do not do your pleasures on this day, and I will look down, I can see then. What I can see as God is that you do an effort not to live a self-righteous life, but a God-righteous life. That's when I will start blessing you. But I've already showed you, I've already showed you that we can't live up to that because they couldn't even live up to that. He needed to talk to a prophet to warn them. What is the answer? Christ and Christ alone. So this is what they might have had in their mind. This is in context. It was an empty religious observant. So the question then is, as I hurry on, are Christians required to keep the Sabbath today? Now you will have so many different answers on this. Are we required to keep the Sabbath then? And if so, then we are all wrong because we should have had this church service yesterday on a Saturday. So does it make those churches then which say that we are wrong and they are right on a Saturday, does it now make them right and only they go to heaven? You see how complex this thing can become? But it's not complex, brothers and sisters. Let me continue. Look at Colossians chapter 2 verse 16. I'm sorry, it's down here. A very busy slide, so I tried to color code it for you. Okay, so that we can follow. This is important to understand. Because what you're going to see through this is the freedom in Christ. The freedom of our soul in Christ. Still obeying the law through Him. Because He fulfilled it. Look at this now. Paul writes to the church in Colossae. He says, So let no one judge you in food or in drink. Man, we can go so many places now. Let no one judge you in food or in drink. No judgment come upon you. Or regarding festivals or new moon or what? Sabbaths. Let no one judge you. Which are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance is of whom? I rest my case. I rest my case. The Sabbath is a shadow of things to come. Shadow Sabbath, substance Christ. What do you want? Do you want to walk in the shadow or do you want to walk with Christ? Can you see that? So how do we observe the Sabbath then? I just told you the law wasn't abolished. It wasn't broken. It wasn't torn up. The Sabbath is still in there. And look, these people who come and they say, oh, you need to keep it religiously. They will bend the scriptures to fit it. I don't have to bend the scripture because it says it right there, which are a shadow. He says, food in the Old Testament, which you were not allowed to eat like pork and all of these unclean food and drink and regarding festivals, that, that counts all of the Jewish festivals which people these days are going back to and they want to restore all of these, these festivals. I'm not interested in the festivals. Why? Because it's a shadow. Why would I want to go back to a shadow if I've got the substance? Now it goes on there. All of these and then the new moons. Oh, the new moons. Shall we start on that? The blood moon? The no, no. And then the Sabbaths. It puts Sabbaths in there. They are all a shadow of things to come. But the substance is of Christ. What is the things to come? Christ came. Christ came. So, let's look at Galatians chapter 4 verse 9. Only scriptures. 
Paul again writes now to the Galatians, because you see there's these people who came into the churches now, and they said to them, oh, angels, angel worship. We go to God through angels, and everybody wanted to see an angel, and everybody wanted to touch an angel. And you see these days in churches, oh, angel feathers coming through the roof, and there's some funny stuff going on, okay? And gold dust, year, and oil, they man, I don't need that stuff. I've got Christ, I don't need now all of a sudden to authenticate, oh, there's no, let's, let's, let's just quickly look behind here if there's no. No, no, look, look at this now. He says in Galatians chapter 4 verse 9, but now after you have known God, there's the key again. What? Known God. How do we know God? We are studying Him. Now that you know God, or rather known by God, how is it then that you turn away to the weak and beggarly elements? How is it that you go back under the Sabbath again? How is it that you go back under your fastings again? How is it that you can't eat this and can't eat that? How is it that you now, now want to worship the moon? And how is it now that you want to go back to the feasts? See where he's going. It doesn't make sense. He goes on here, he says, They are beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage. All of those things just bring bondage. Why? Because with that comes laws. And you need to keep the laws. And you can't exceed the Pharisees, and you can't exceed the scribes, and everybody here shook their heads that you don't want to go there. And here we go. Verse 10. You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid for you, lest you have labored for you in vain. Don't go back there. Don't go back there. Jesus fulfills the purpose and the plan of the Sabbath for us and in us. That's what Jesus did. He fulfilled that purpose for us and in us. But let me say it. Now look at Hebrews chapter 4 verse 8. Again, the Hebrew writer, which I believe is Paul, but anyway, he says, For if Joshua have given them rest. You see the Sabbath go all about rest, isn't it? What did God do? He worked for six days and he rested on the seventh day. Then he called the Sabbath. Okay? Now he talks about rest here. He says, if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not after have spoken of another day. So Joshua led them into the rest. But he was talking about another day. What day was that? The day of the returning of Christ. The day when Christ would come. The true rest will come. He is our true rest. Listen to me. You haven't got rest in your life if you haven't come to Christ. You will be running around and moping around and buzzing around and you will be seeking purpose in life. You'll be seeking to make a thing in life. You'll be seeking to arrive. All of this stuff. All of that. And it will make you tired until the day that you come to Christ and He will give you rest. That's what He's saying right there. Right there. He was talking about another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. There is a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest. Is that a capital or small letter? Who is that? Jesus Christ. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works. He sees a small letter. Let me, let me just quickly add in the blanks for you. He who has entered the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ has ceased from his own self-righteousness as, as were a God from his you see where the Sabbath lies now? Does it make sense? 
And now he continues saying, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Let anyone fall according to the shame example of disobedience. Of disobedience. Now let's quickly finish the narrative and then we're going to sing a song. Mark 2.25 And he said to them, have you never read that David? Remember they're walking through, they pluck these things, the Pharisees come to me, Sabbath, Sabbath! You're breaking the Sabbath and your disciples. And now I think I've given you a lot of substance here this morning about the Sabbath, okay? Let me just say before I go any further, I don't have to on a Saturday celebrate the Sabbath. Why? Because for me, the Sabbath is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday! Why? Because on Sunday we come together and we celebrate Christ. You know what? He gives me rest. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Sunday we come in here with a smile on our lips. And you know what we say? God bless you brother. God bless you sister. Why? Because I'm in the rest of Christ. I don't have to set a day aside and all of a sudden, Oh Rachel, nothing do on this day. If you want to do that, go and live with the Orthodox Jews. All these churches who celebrate that. I'm in Christ. He is my Sabbath. Let me quickly finish. He gives them two examples here. He didn't go where I go, okay? He was way easier than me. But remember, they didn't have the Bible that, I could, that he could say, go to Galatians, go to this. They didn't have that. But they knew the prophets. And he goes, could you remember David when he was hungry in those days? He went into the house of God and they ate the show bread. In the temple, in the tabernacle, at the front, there was a table with bread, which freshly was put on there. If they take the old ones out, the priest could eat it. Only the priests were allowed. David went in there, he wasn't a priest, and he ate it, and he gave to people. So Jesus gives them two principles. Number one is, human need is more important than religious rituals. That's what he told them. The Sabbath came into being for man's sake, and not man for the Sabbath. Look at this. He says it there. And he said to them, Sabbath came into being for man's sake and not man for the Sabbath's sake. So let me ask you, what was made first, man or the Sabbath? Man. Sabbath came after. Man, Sabbath was made for man. Why? To give man rest. Now if you want to keep the Sabbath, just get this, then you're not allowed to have the extra day off. You have to work six days. Okay? Be my guest. <laughs> if you want to keep the Sabbath religiously, you better work six days. Your, your employee is going to love you. You, you walk in and you go, no, I, don't want a long, I don't want a weekend, man. I'll work six days for you. And because my Sabbath is on a Saturday, I'll work from Monday to Friday and I'll work Sunday. I'll come in and I'll work for you. No, no. Human need is more important. There's three things that God wants. Mercy, love, and a broken spirit. That's what God wants. Mercy, for I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I don't want your Sabbaths. I want mercy and the knowledge of God. Love, Isaiah 58, there's so many verses. And, and then a broken spirit, Psalm 51, 17. The second and the last thing that God uses as a principle. He says in verse 28, Therefore the Son of Man is also the Lord of Sabbath. That settles it for me. Yes. He was not offended when his disciples took these things and they ate it. He wasn't. So, brother and sister, do you understand the Sabbath this morning? Let me finish with these words. Verse Hebrews 4, 8. For if Joshua has entered, given them a rest, he would not have talked about another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. 
For he who entered his rest himself also ceased from the work as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent and enter that rest, lest anyone fall short according to the same example of disobedience. Have you entered that rest? Why don't you enter that rest if you haven't? It is a sweet rest. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. I thank you, Lord, that Jesus, we know him better. We know him so wonderful, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we have freedom in Christ. Not to do our own thing, but to live under his righteousness. And Father, thank you that he helps us to live according to the law through him which he fulfilled. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.